right, welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Bills Beat Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or on SoundCloud. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And the Bills are now 11 days into their training camp experience. There are only five more practices before training camp is technically over. Only four more at St. John Fisher College, all happening within with next week. But still four preseason games to go. And that's why we're recording today uh, and with a, a natural break coming of the preseason game starting on Thursday at home at New Era Field against the Carolina Panthers. And the Bills went through a soppy mess of a practice today in in St. John Fisher College. They really couldn't do much. It was like half speed, uh, not really a ton to take away from it. It was just kind of a mess out there. And it, it, uh, yeah, they were, they were lacking in, in, in that, in the practice intensity department, mostly just wanting to, I guess, get away from it uninjured and without having any repercussions from that type of practice. But today was interesting in the sense that early on, before practice even began, when Sean McDermott spoke, and I and we don't always say this often, Matthew, that when Sean McDermott speaks, it's, it's usually somewhat... Uh, it doesn't teach us a lot. Yeah, it's it's somewhat of a snooze fest from time to time, and that's by design. You know, he doesn't want to say anything too out of line. But I think what stood out today was uh, in reference to the plan for Josh Allen. And essentially, he said of that plan that it was calculated and as part of a long-winded answer said that they're not going to rush it. Which, to me, is as big of a statement as we've heard about Josh Allen as really since they drafted him. Because we have gotten no indication whatsoever that they were planning on, you know, just keeping it patient and everything like that. So, I I, I think that was a a pretty strong statement from Sean McDermott. Yeah, and it matches up, too, with what they've done during practice. Because it's been since... August 2nd, which I think is, what, four practices now? Yeah. Since Josh Allen has gotten a rep with the first-team offense. I don't think he's gotten a single rep with the second-team offense during camp. And at the moment, it looks like he's stuck with the third team. Mm -hmm. And that means that what was billed as a three-way quarterback competition is starting to look like a two-way quarterback competition because – it's hard to win the starting job when you don't even get your fair share of reps with the first or second team offense. I mean, mm-hmm. the guys that Josh Allen is going against during practice, most of them are going to get cut. Some of them will end up on the practice squad, but most of them will not be on this roster. And so it's hard to really gauge his performance and know whether he's ready or not because he's going against third stringers. And so all along this has sort of been, you know, a thought where it's either Josh Allen is ready Mm -hmm. or the winner of A.J. McCarron, Nathan Peterman, gets the job. I just wonder how they're gauging, you know, whether Josh Allen is ready or not. And 
maybe he has to do something drastic in one of these preseason games to earn more reps, to earn a seat at the table, so to speak. But at the moment, it's looking like this could be a longer wait uh, than maybe anticipated. Maybe some people did anticipate it because right. this was the type of prospect people said that he was. But I just don't – I I don't see a scenario where he ends up on the field in week one at this point unless something changes quite unless drastically. He's extraordinary. And that might not even be enough based on what we heard today. I mean, it, this statement – I'm. We're not going to rush it. Is quite a strong one for by Sean McDermott standards, and you don't always put a ton of weight into what these head coaches say and everything along those lines. But with Sean McDermott, he is vague by by purpose, and that is what he wants. And and for him to just say, "All right, pump the brakes. This is we we know that Josh Allen is the apple of." every Bills fan's eye right now, but, you know, they're going to do it on their time and when they deem him to be ready. So that's definitely the way it came across, that, you know, going into this preseason and maybe even into the 2018 regular season, it sounds like the two guys that really have the best chance at winning the job or perhaps not losing the job um, is uh, A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman. And that's not to to say that it's an indictment on Josh Allen because I think it's pretty clear when you watch almost every day, today notwithstanding because no one really looked good today because they were going half speed. But when you watch every day, you kind of think to yourself, man, Josh Allen does something that those other, guy, those other two guys cannot do, and that is whistle the ball in into some tight areas. So... In their minds, I don't believe that they think this is this would be an indictment on Josh Allen when that might not be the way it's perceived with, uh, you know, especially in the event that Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron both appear ahead of Josh Allen on the depth chart when it's all said and done to start the 2018 regular season. That would, from social media circles, would put a lot of egg on the face of Sean McDermott, even if it was by design. And he could be the top quarterback in their minds, but this is also a pretty stubborn group. And they're steadfast in thinking that they... that what they have planned for this is the right approach. Because they know flat out that once this thing goes and once it all begins with Josh Allen... There's no way to stop it. You cannot simply, you know, take a uh, a sewn-up wound and just rip out the stitches and have it go back to normal with a Band-Aid. It, that's, you cannot put toothpaste back into the tube. Yes. Which, whichever, whichever phrase you would like to use here, you cannot simply put the, the first-round quarterback, the top-ten pick of a quarterback back on the bench once you put him out there in the starting lineup. So Ask Doug Marone. He tried it. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that fresh. was the idea when they benched E.J. Manuel for Kyle Orton was maybe we can save this kid's confidence. Maybe we can salvage his career he if we just get him too. out of the lineup. I know. Blake Bortles hasn't uh, been benched. No, he has he not. He tried. <laughs> and, I mean, it's debatable whether 
that worked out for Blake Bortles or not. But True. Um, he, but you just can't. It, this isn't the same situation as with Nathan Peterman last year, where hey, he's a fifth round pick. Let's you know, let's try plugging him in, and maybe he'll be an upgrade over Tyrod Taylor. And you're not real worried about rattling his confidence or altering the trajectory of his career because you didn't put that investment in him that you did with Josh Allen, not just with the first round pick, but with the picks you used to trade all the way up to number seven overall. So Mm. they have to handle this very carefully. They have to understand what they're doing each step of the way that that goes for when they decide to put him into the lineup. That goes for the offense that they put around him, both weapons and offensive scheme. And, you know, I find it interesting that Sean McDermott always, he says, you know, we were around, you know, I was around Donovan McNabb and I was around Cam Newton. And Cam Newton threw for 400 yards in his first game week one as a rookie. So that situation doesn't really apply. It's more the Donovan McNabb situation where he sat on the bench for a while and learned. And he also had some accuracy issues. So it was a different time in the NFL, but I think McDermott seems more likely to go that route than he does the the route of throwing this kid into the fire. And I think maybe throwing Peterman in and having it backfire the way that it did would make him even more hesitant to throw right. the rookie in before he's ready. Yeah, there's just... There's so many ways to look at it, too, because, you know, there's, I mean, that decision in itself, it was such one that came with such a backlash, and even still to this point, it is still being talked about as one of the biggest things that have to do with Sean McDermott. I mean, yes, he made, he helped them get to the playoffs for the first time in you know, almost a couple of decades, but right in the same vein, people are like, yeah, well, he almost screwed it up too. And that it's, it's a fair assessment. And I wonder how much that will actually play into it. Even if it's not, you know, right on surface level sort of thing where, you know, he, that's how he's talking about. He's like, Hey, we can't put him in there. Remember what happened with Nate? And, and now everyone's just sworn Nate off forever. It, it might just be something that's in his subconscious that where he doesn't want to make that same mistake twice. And so there's there's that line of thinking that goes into it. There's the emotion of how of how the decision will be handled. There's there's also the what is right in their minds there and thinking that they know what's best for this individual player more so than anyone else and then you know how it's going to be perceived by everybody around which I don't think they really care about and and you know it they care about certain things and how it's perceived but I don't think they care about how they're handling the quarterback position is being perceived on social media because we both know Josh we talked about it Josh Allen is an albatross with within the confines of social media. And I don't want to get into that wormhole again, but you know that is at least a little bit of a part of it. And so, if you have a situation where McCarron's one or Peterman's one, and then the other one of those two is number two, and Allen's inactive, then that is going to go over like a fart in church. I mean, that is going to be 
total they're going to get ripped crucified for that but i feel like they're removing themselves from even considering that part into the equation because they would rather do it right and get criticized along the way but then having it be right in the end if it will ever be right with josh allen which is a big question in itself yeah i mean when you pick a quarterback who is labeled and rightfully so labeled a project then you need to be willing to handle all parts that come with that you know I don't think you would have a lot of the same conversations about Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold. Obviously, they they only had a shot at Josh Rosen in the draft, but I don't think you would be having this type of conversation. That does not necessarily mean that Josh Allen long-term will be worse than any of those guys. It's just that he was perceived as not as pro-ready as those other guys. And he was perceived as a guy that would need time on the bench and time to learn. If that means a complete redshirt year, because that's what you're doing. If you make him inactive, it's essentially a redshirt year. And if that's the case, that's a little bit unprecedented. We mm-hmm. haven't seen that in quite a while from a first round pick that was drafted that high. And I don't know that it's the right move, but it's definitely within, you know, the possibility at this at this point because they've trended away from giving him more first team reps as opposed to putting more on his plate as time went on. So that tells you that, you know, things are looking a certain way unless he can shake things up. So yeah. you could be you know, looking at a, a situation where once the preseason's over, we don't see this guy for quite a few months, maybe November at the earliest, or maybe not in 2018 at all, which may not be the worst thing for him. But I, I'd like to think there's enough of a benefit to getting him in at some point to make it worth it. You, you would have to think so, because I, I think November is, is the right timeline. And Probably because this team is going to take a step back. And especially if it's A.J. McCarron or Nathan Peterman starting the year. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that I think that is a pretty good chance in resulting in a top 10 pick for either one of them. I guess less so for McCarron than Peterman. Only because we haven't seen McCarron in an actual game. But even still, I mean, I just don't know how much this defense could carry them with having, you know, an an offense that's given up a lot of sacks or turning the ball over, doesn't really have the receiver play. The offensive line isn't really that much to write home about, even if they're better than people think. It still probably won't be good. I mean, this is all, these are all factors into the equation of, okay, well, if, if it goes awry, by the time and by the time November gets here and they have I don't know whatever a four and eight record let's say then it, it would probably be time for Josh Allen and it, and if it's not then maybe they make the assessment that well it would be better suited for him to not have to go through with that at all and just do it in the 2019 season but then, you run the risk of 
Sean McDermott going into total Sean McDermott mode where he's like, well, every spot needs to be earned, except for Tremaine Edmonds and Tredavious White. Every spot needs to be earned, and you might have another potential two-man quarterback competition, maybe even a three-man, probably not a three-man, but... You never know. I mean, definitely two men. AJ McCarron has another year on his contract. Nathan Peterman has another couple of seasons on his contract. So they could conceivably keep those guys around into, you know, 2019. And but one of those should separate themselves from the other within this preseason. You you would think, think, but as of (laughs) as of Tuesday, Sean McDermott was not willing to reveal who would be starting the first preseason game. Oh my goodness! Maybe he'll they'll be in disguise so that they can have exact equal amount of reps, and nobody will know which one got the first crack at it. Now here's why: Corey Carter is going to be the starting quarterback. There you go, the backup punter. Well, you got to know when the Carolina Panthers aren't even game planning for this preseason game, you have to give them even more to not game plan over by hiding your starting quarterback and getting a big-time advantage in your first exhibition game. But I don't know what the motive is behind, you know, hiding the or not revealing the starting quarterback. You know, Sean McDermott said it was because... He did not want to tell us before he told the team, but he was just with the team and said he had a plan. So So it's a bit of hooey, is yeah, what you're saying. I mean, he could have, you know, found AJ and, and Nathan and Josh and told them, you know, before he told us. I don't know. But it just points to how carefully they're handling the whole situation and how calculated was the word that Sean McDermott used and that's the right word for this whole thing but eventually look Josh Allen needs to get reps with at least the second team offense I think that much is obvious the guy was the number seven overall pick if you picked any other position number seven overall and he was practicing with the third team defense or offense you would consider that guy to be a big disappointment even just a week into camp I'm not saying Josh Allen is a disappointment but I'm saying I understand it's a little bit different for the quarterback position but eventually he needs to get more valuable reps than against guys that aren't even going to be on the roster in the fall they're also treating it a lot of bit different uh, more so than any other situation that we'll probably see with this regime again. I, I don't think any other position will warrant this sort of calculated moves within the confines of a training camp or you know, spring workouts. It's very easy to see that they do not want to step a toe out of line with, with their plan and, you know, cringe, their process. Um, this is... When you have that sort of player in your midst, I mean, this is, they know that they have to do it this way. And I almost wonder when when we saw uh, A.J. McCarron take two straight days of ones and, and everybody caught it. And, you know, there is a bit of a big deal made about it because I do think it was fairly significant that A.J. McCarron received two straight days of reps. But, you know, Sean McDermott automatically just 
shot it down. It's like, oh, it meant nothing. It meant nothing. It meant nothing. And then tried to explain it as in terms of a practice. But that said, I mean, he's also thinking to himself, well, I'm never going to do that again in, in this competition. And since then, we've seen Nathan Peter. But maybe it was it was his plan to go McCarron two straight days and Peterman two straight days. But we'll never know. Um, because McCarron took two straight days and then it was back to Peterman and then back to McCarron, back to Peterman. Basically, this all doesn't matter. AJ McCarron, Nathan Peterman, who cares? Thad Lewis, whatever. Thad Lewis, Corey Carter. Jeff Toole. Ooh, Jeff Toole. Jabron Hamden. Keith Wenning. Keith Wenning. They, so that's what I'm very curious about. Ooh, Keith Wenning? A side note is... <laughs> In the fourth preseason game, because when we're deciding, like, oh, do we go to the fourth preseason game? Do we not? Yeah. You wonder, that could be a big Josh Allen game. Oh, yeah. You know, he could play quite a bit. Or they could sign a Keith Wenning or some other slappy to run out there and, you know, we'll forget about Jordan Palmer was one of those slappies once upon a time. So I'm curious to see if you are going to make Josh Allen – the third team quarterback. Does that mean he gets, you know, the entire second half on Thursday night? Does that mean he gets almost the entire fourth preseason game? I mean, it doesn't matter whether AJ McCarron or Nathan Peterman starts because fans are gonna be glued to Josh Allen on Thursday mm-hmm. and the following week when they play the Browns and the Bengals after that. I mean, every game is gonna be about Josh Allen. And if he is the you know, third-team guy, then he should be getting quite a bit of reps and quite a bit of run. And Mm -hmm. I would think those are somewhat valuable. Um, You know, obviously the game action tells us a lot more than, you know, the practices do, even though he's still going up against guys on other teams that will likely be cut. They are fighting for their lives. They are, you know, everything is live. There's fans. There's people watching on TV. It's a... It's an actual game. It's different than camp. So that may, at the very least, make this preseason very interesting if they do give him the amount of reps that you would think you think they would because mm-hmm. they're not going to roll one of the other guys out there for too long in the second half. So this could be a situation where, you know, indirectly it, it you know, is a, a short-term boost for Bills fans because they get a long look at the number seven pick and – then you really know where he stands heading into the 2018 season. Whether or not he's in line for the starting job, you know, doesn't really matter. Personally, I just want to see Ryan Zapatiki be brought back and throw a couple of tutties in Chicago. He's earned it, really. Yeah. I mean, Zapatiki was a marksman during rookie camp. Zapatutty. <laughs> Zapatutty is is right. He was kid tutty. During, during minicamp, but he's like five foot nine. They need to bring in another random quarterback. I think we can all agree on that. Let's not forget that last year, you know, there was a time when it was you know Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman both hurt themselves in the preseason. Ooh. Once games start, weird things start happening. Yeah. So we've only just begun. Yeah, I'm I'm in for the ride. Uh, but Josh Allen, it really is starting to sound like. That uh, he's not going to see the light of light of day for quite some time, and unless he d- does something incredible, and I'm not exactly ruling that out against the Panthers. I mean, 
he is going up against their third string defense and I tend to think that you know Allen's got that type of ability to where he can he can make some people drool over what he can do and especially in a setting like that yeah I, I think there's a chance but even if he does I don't know if it's going to matter I think uh, we'll still probably see whichever of McCarron or Peterman that doesn't get the first start probably will get the second start and it's just Get ready for a lot of uh, a lot of sacks being taken by AJ McCarron, a lot of potential interceptions by Nathan Peterman. That's just the way of life with the Buffalo Bills' top two quarterbacks of 2018. All right, well, uh, we'll get into Corey Coleman and some just him as a player and rather interesting note from ESPN's Adam Schefter, by the way, um, and some other. Brown's wide receiver news that has made the Corey Coleman trade even more interesting. Oh my. And uh, heck, I might even throw what's going on with Richie in there, but um, whatever the heck is going on with Richie. Um, but first, before we do that, let's do the what we're working on uh, segment. And Matthew, what's uh, new over at The Athletic? Yeah, over on TheAthletic.com, we've got uh quite a bit in the works at the moment last time we did this segment we were teasing tim graham's q a on kelvin benjamin which he filed right next while sitting right next to us and Mm -hmm. uh, a mere 12 hours later it was sort of a a bombshell of the weekend in the nfl firestorm yeah it created a little bit of a little bit of a mess uh (laughs) kelvin benjamin had some pointed comments about his former team and his former quarterback a veiled shot at cam newton that actually prompted sean mcdermott to kind of put him in his place a little bit and tell him that he that's not how he wanted him to handle things and everything else it became almost the lead nfl story of the weekend on uh weekend you know hall of fame weekend so right that was uh probably the the big uh the big piece we had uh, over the weekend. Um, I've got a story in the works on Brian Dable's offense and some of the defensive players' reactions to it and what they've seen from it and how it's sort of different than what they're used to seeing in practice. And Tim has a few stories in the works that I think Bills fans will enjoy. I'll be working on a few profiles of of some players. Um, And... There is still time for Bills Beat listeners to jump on board and get 40% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash Bills Beat. That'll get you 40% off one year. And we've got, we've got quite a bit in the works. We've added some new writers. Eric Turner will be breaking down Corey Coleman on film uh, and letting you know what you can expect there. So... Quite a bit in the works, so go to theathletic.com slash billsbeat and get you some 40% off. Yeah. Um, and over at wkbw.com, um, since today was kind of a mess of a practice, uh, didn't do the normal observations, but I did something that uh, I think you'll still enjoy. It's the pre-preseason projection, the 53-man roster projections, the first one I've done since the end of, I think, mandatory minicamp. Um, in the spring or after the spring workouts had concluded and 
bunch of changes from the last time I did it, uh, based on what I've seen in the first 11 days of training camp and before preseason is set to begin. And, yeah, there's there's a few surprise cuts in there, so be sure to check that out at WKBW.com. Plus, uh, you know, Thursday is that whole first game thing. Um, and over on uh, Channel 7 in Buffalo, if you are in the area, um, we will be covering, we will be uh, carrying the game at 7, which means at 6.30, Matt Beauvais, Jenna Clary, and myself will be doing the pregame show, which includes a, uh, a one-on-one with rookie linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, and we'll be going over a lot of the, the goings-on at camp and everything like that, so be sure to tune into that. And, you know, we'll have the post-game show as well where we'll take – Sean McDermott and what he says to the media live and and uh, some more, uh, I guess, uh, analysis of what exactly we saw, which will probably include us scratching our heads about what A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman just did out there. But hey, we'll see what happens. All right, um, back to it. We're doing, uh, we're, we need to get into Corey Coleman because that trade came down, what was it, Monday night? Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday night. The days are blending together. It is training camp season. Um, Corey Coleman brought to the Bills for a 2020 seventh round pick. I mean, could the Browns have slapped Corey Coleman in the face anything with any more disrespect than a 2020 seventh round pick, which, by the way, in trade valuation terms, is basically worth an undrafted free agent? I think it would have been former first round pick. Slightly more disrespectful if it were a conditional twenty twenty seventh round pick. Like whether or not they actually get one. It appears to be there are no conditions on the trade. Oh, I would hope not. Maybe <laughs> maybe future considerations would have been more disrespectful. Future considerations. Um, for cash and a player to be named later. Um, but this was about as disrespectful as it gets i think for a former first round pick that's only in his third year Corey coleman gets the last laugh because antonio callaway was cited for marijuana possession how about that in cleveland he was supposed to be the heir apparent they didn't need Corey coleman because they had antonio callaway oops well should probably let him get through a whole summer before he yeah he had that issue before yes uh with the marijuana so yeah, not to say they would have kept Corey Coleman, but there's also the interesting twist that Adam Schefter just casually slid out there today that after weighing his options, Corey Coleman decided to report to the Bills today, passed his physical, and will play for Buffalo. To which you then brought up the name that is known for this in Buffalo Bills lore. Dre Archer. Yes. Who, somebody said, what, whatever happened to Dre Archer? Which is a great question. Somewhere Tyler Dunn just, <laughs> is working on this feature and we've in the Southern it. tier. No but, he, yeah, it's I don't know what other options Corey Coleman had. Um, I saw Chris Wesling you know, tweet out, law school, stay-at-home dad. I mean, what <laughs> options are we talking about yeah, here? Right. I mean, he could either report to the Bills where he's now contractually obligated to work or he could retire or he could refuse to report and you know maybe hope the bills cut him but he didn't really have a lot of leverage no once again a reminder he was traded for a 2020 seventh round pick he was traded for a slap in the face yeah so 
I don't know what validity there is to that or what options he may or may not have been considering, but he's here. He seems relatively happy. Ish. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm still laughing about the conditional seventh. Um, <laughs> uh, Coleman. Conditional on whether he shows up. Yes, yes. Uh, Coleman, I think. Look, this is a former first round pick. He's in his third year now. He's only 24 years old. You know, the Bills seem to have high enough hopes to which Sean McDermott said. You know, we hope that he blossoms into the player that uh, we uh, believe that he can become. With all of their bounties of resources, as he pointed yeah. out. I, what What do you think he was referring to? The coaches? The staff. Uh, the weights. The hum, food. Humble brag, <laughs> by the way. I don't know. Humble I mean, brag, Sean. <laughs> What do you he say? Was, He's yeah, he, they have that over the Browns? Right. I don't know what... Re, I, I think resources, he was mostly referring to the people in the building. He's saying he's confident that what they have going on in Buffalo is better than what Cleveland has, evidently. And he alluded to that by saying, like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer became better when they got here. You know, maybe Corey Coleman can do the same. Jordan Poyer was also in Cleveland. So, right. I mean, yeah, he thinks they've got a better system in place, be it staff and, you know, the way they do things. We'll see. Um, a talented player, though, and one that provides a much-needed boost to a position that was really lacking any sort of buzz right. during training camp. And, you know, I mean, I guess Sean's right. I mean, they did once upon a time have Kid Tutty in their midst. That's true. And they let him slip away. Jason Zapatiki. And Ryan Zapatiki. Wait, <laughs> what is it? It's 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 Ryan? Ryan Zapatiki. Why did I think Jason Zapatiki? That, that's between you and the Lord. Kid Tutty. From this point forward, Zapatiki will be... Where did Zapatiki go to school again? Shippensburg. That's right. Shippensburg. Mm. Oh, yeah. He's Quarterback factory. Five, he was literally like five foot eight or five foot nine. It was hilarious watching him. I wonder him. what he's doing right now. Tyler Running Dunn. routes with Dre Archer. <laughs> Tyler Dunn is on the case. We don't know if Tyler's <laughs> actually on the case. We just love Tyler. All right. Uh, I, I think with Coleman, he is interesting because he comes into a wide receiver room that is not defined and is kind of defined all at once. It's defined in the fact that Coleman's probably going to make the 53-man roster. I guess you would think. Well, I guess I thought that before seeing the mulling all his options thing, because if he's just not into it, then I don't think the Bills would think twice about cutting him. But if if things go well to where they um, are happy with his attitude and everything along those lines, it, he's part of a, a quintet of receivers that seem to be pretty locked in, which include Curly, Benjamin, uh, Zay Jones, and Andre Holmes, and of course Coleman. So... After that, I mean, that part is defined, but the part that is not is who is going to line up with Kelvin Benjamin and when Jeremy Curley's in the slot. It could be Curley who lines up on the outside in two wide receiver sets, or Coleman has a chance to do this. The same thing with Zay Jones. I don't think Andre Holmes does, but even though Andre Holmes is with Once the first in team a while, offense. maybe. I mean, he's 
I just yeah. he's a steady presence. I they, mean, I Sean mean, McDermott likes him as a leader. He plays special teams. He's gonna find his way onto the field, be it injuries or whatever else. Yeah, but even when they were, awful, he's not gonna be a staple, but he could be a red zone guy. When they were terrible at wide receiver last year, he was only getting like ten snaps. No, yeah, he's <laughs> he's a situational player. But he's one that they like, and when they find their leaders that they like, they don't really part ways with those yeah. guys. They they cling to them a little bit, and he has established himself as one of those guys. Whether you know fans, it's not the exciting name fans want. You know they want one of these young guys to emerge. But mm-hmm. those are the five right now. If they go with a sixth, maybe Brandon Riley finds his way into the mix. Ray Ray's uh, in that mix. As Ray well. Ray McLeod could be in that mix. Cam Phillips. Has been good. He's probably a practice squad candidate. So and he's hurt right now. When and hurts him, yeah, for sure. Every practice he misses is is tough yeah. for him. But yeah. I think it'll be it's going to be hard for them to keep Corey Coleman off the field. You can make a case that he's the most talented wide receiver on the roster, and that's maybe including Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, wow. so they this position is almost settled. But there's still so many questions about every single one of these guys. You know, mm-hmm. Kelvin Benjamin, can he get back to what he once was uh, when he was a rookie and earn a contract extension? Can Zay Jones prove that he's more than just a second-round bust? Can Corey Coleman revitalize himself? You know, can Jeremy Curley—I mean, Jeremy Curley and Andre Holmes, I think you know what you're getting. But yes. those top three guys all have a lot— going on and you need to figure it out because those are going to be the guys that may or may not be Mm -hmm. the weapons for your future franchise quarterback and Josh Allen and you need some answers to those questions before you head into the 2019 offseason I do wonder if the Browns might have given up on Corey Coleman a bit prematurely and that's not to say that uh, he's he's going to come in here and be great, which I don't know. I mean, I guess he has the chance to really cement himself for a role for the 2019 season specifically. But it's it's also incredibly interesting how the wide receiver position has kind of evolved over the last few years, really, and the fact that this it's taking an increasingly longer period of time for highly touted wide receivers to make an impact in the NFL. I mean, just think of examples from 2015, the 2015 through the 2017 NFL draft. And some guys are going to come in right away and be great because some guys are just made for that. But, uh, you know, the way the game is played down at the college level, it seems like the learning curve is a lot steeper at wide receiver than it ever used to be. And now you have a situation where there's tons of these young receiver talents like Corey Coleman, heck, maybe even like Zay Jones. Think about John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals last year who couldn't even see the field. I mean, these are all examples of these early round guys that haven't done much with their NFL career just yet, but is it fair to just write them off right away, especially when maybe they have more to learn than most other positions in the NFL? So I wonder about Corey Coleman. I mean, I wonder if the light is going to go on. Maybe maybe he stays a little bit healthier 
he at least has some starting experience and and he's got talent and he's got a, a facet to his game that no other Bills receiver has and and that's speed. But you know, part of me wonders if they just need to stay with it and he needs someone to stay with him because there are countless examples around the league of these early round guys that are struggling right now and it's it's weird to think about because wide receiver never used to be like that but now it is i mean wide receiver and offensive line are you know becoming the two most increasingly difficult positions to scout for the nfl draft and it's because you don't exactly know what you're getting from a knowledge standpoint um, from those individual players in addition to their that that goes hand in hand with their talent level and that's got to be frustrating for for scouts and and coaches and everything like that because you want an impact player but you can't always get it and i wonder if that's also going to you know positively impact the wide receiver market in free agency because if guys get there then you know they can play and you, you might be willing to pay more because the opportunity to draft good ta- young talent and have a an immediate impact might be a little bit less than it used to. Yeah, and I, I think it's these things go in cycles, I guess, because, yeah. you know, the wide receiver position, it was sort of the, you know, the thought was always that it took until year three mm-hmm. for it to click for guys. And I talked to Eric Moulds about this last month because he's sort of the perfect example. You look at his first two seasons in the league and he was a non-factor and then he burst onto the scene and was a perennial thousand yard guy, you know, year in and year out. So that's the way it always was until the 2014 class kind of screwed things up by being an all time great class with Sammy Watkins and Odell Beckham Jr. Calvin Benjamin had a big year. Uh, it was a really, really good group. And those guys kind of, you know, Allen Robinson was another one. Jordan Matthews uh, made some plays. So I think, now you're seeing a little bit of, you know, these wide receiver classes not being nearly as good as those ones. And then also a little bit of, you know, it not being quite so easy to transition at that position. And that's why I think a big part of this trade is whether or not the Bills think Corey Coleman can fit into their culture, because this is a guy that the Browns were pretty eager to get rid of for close to nothing so you know if he wasn't the best fit there are they confident that he'll be the best fit here especially with that odd Adam Schefter report that he may or may not have wanted to report initially so I don't know there's there's a lot of moving parts there but as Brandon Bean said this is a low risk gamble for them because Mm -hmm. they are giving up close to nothing and they need something at wide receiver and I think now in year two they're confident and enough confident enough in what they've built culture wise the leaders they have and the structure they have in place that they can bring on a guy who may be a bit troubled or may have some mistakes on his resume because they think everything else is strong enough around him that you know they can get the best out of him and Sean McDermott made that clear today so I'm wondering if if they can because if they can then they got a major steal yeah and and a guy who was drafted in the first round for a reason he can he can move 
and not many guys can run as fast as he can. Yeah, perhaps he was a little overdrafted, but he was still a, a top one of the top talents at his position. And you know, he if he wouldn't have been drafted at 15, he would have been drafted sometime in the late first round or early second. So I think I think for him this is a tremendous opportunity, not just you know surface level stuff to get his career back on track in 2018, but you know being under contract for the next two years at least, possibly three if the Bills pick up the fifth year option. And then from there, you know, having a completely unsettled wide receiver room for the 2019 season. If either he or Zay Jones can establish themselves as someone that can be depended on, that would go miles for one or both of their careers um, going into 2019 because that's one less thing the Bills have to worry about on offense because guess what? They have to worry about a lot on offense this year. And, you know, even even there's a facet of LaShawn McCoy that they have to worry about. Is he going to be the same guy all year long now that he's reached the uh, the 30-year-old marker? I, it's... This is a this is a huge spot for Corey Coleman, and you know vague wording or from Adam Schefter or not, if he wants to make it as an NFL receiver, he has no other choice but to do it right here in Buffalo. And if he doesn't, the Bills will say, "Well, it was a 2020 seventh round pick." I was thinking back, like didn't didn't the what was the Kalen Clay? Kevon Seymour trade like wasn't there a, a seventh a rounder sixth maybe a sixth chucked in like there yeah. with Kalen Clay yeah I mean that's the and Kalen like Clay got cut and then brought back Kevon so. Seymour got more than than Corey Coleman did yeah so and it also goes to show you and they cut anybody Kalen who Clay. has extreme high hopes for Shaq Lawson fetching a major draft pick value can drop yeah. fast oh, yeah. and two years is a long time especially and nobody if you cares if you were drafted in the first round in 2016 because that was a long long time ago so that's a wake-up call it should be a wake-up call for Corey coleman because yeah. that's how he's valued and it's not like his rookie contract will make him rich for the rest of his life and the bills now have him under contract for two or three years if they yeah. want so yeah. they've got there's plenty of upside with the move yeah, it, and not a tremendous amount of downside, really. No, it it was a humbling thing for Corey Coleman, and now it's just a matter of how he responds to it. If he, you know, just kind of turtles and doesn't do the work that the Bills want him to, then his career would be effectively done, and he might get a, a few more training camp uh, or a couple more training camp calls in the next couple of years. But you know. By and large, this is his best crack at it, and he might not get another crack at being a, a, a top three receiver as good as this one ever again. So he's, he's got to realize that for sure. Well, I'm not going to get into the incognito stuff. I'll just If you want to get into the incognito stuff, then go just go look at his Twitter account because, uh, man, Vikings writers having themselves a time today. That's for sure. Oh. Yeah, and you would need the bleep button if you yeah. wanted to get into the Richie and Cognito stuff. And I do not want to sit here and edit this any I further. haven't made you use the bleep button in a while. No, you haven't, and I appreciate Matur- that. Maturity. Uh, Maturity. I think, uh, ooh, I think so. However, the Bills are going to be going through their first 
preseason game of 2018. Will it be A.J. McCarron? Will it be Nathan Peterman? Will fans actually care which one it is? Probably not. All they'll care about is Josh Allen in the second half of that game. Eh, I think that's a pretty pretty safe call. Maybe McCarron a little bit, but eh, probably mostly Josh Allen. I, I, think, I think that's safe to say. Well, the Bills play the Panthers at 7 o'clock. Matthew, that's where we'll uh, see, or I guess speak with our... Uh, our faithful listeners next because you know there's there'll actually be real football like tackling like we haven't seen tackling other than what four plays since duval 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 uh, duval is now now has a special place in my heart now that i've uh, visited it with <laughs> matthew fairburn knowing how much he loves it down there anyway um, so yes, the Bills taking on the Panthers, and that is where we will talk to you next. We'll uh, record our next podcast right after the game. Um, I'm willing to bet how uh, Josh Allen performs is going to be a big topic in that one. Yeah, I, I think I think that's pretty maybe. safe. Maybe, maybe. Well, well, you'll have to tune in to find out. That's for sure. All right, everybody. Thank you all for tuning in. However, you're doing it, and. Uh, We will talk to you after the Bills play the Panthers on Thursday. See ya.